on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. Now we'll have more meal. We'll be able to export more of that or use more domestically in our livestock production. And those things work together. The increase in uses for soybeans will provide a big boost to Iowa's overall economy. What job categories benefit most from a return to standard time? And in our business profile, you'll hear about how new private development of a resort will drive development in southern Iowa. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of October 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Iowa soybean farmers grow 14.2% of the nation's total crop. That's second in the nation for overall production. And the ever wider variety of uses for soybeans means it's a large economic driver for Iowa in a number of ways. Dr. Christy Wiebeck is Senior Director of Research for the Iowa Soybean Association. Grant Kimberly is Senior Director of Market Development for ISA. We connected recently to talk about the supply and demand for this versatile commodity. It's been a really exciting time to come into the Iowa Soybean Association and talk to our farmers and learn about the practices and programs that we have to offer, collaborating with the farmers in on-farm trials across the state and really understanding the management practices that are going on and trying to figure out the layered approaches to those practices to give a local flair to the farmers' fields. Grant, how does this connect between research and then market development? I trust they go hand in hand, but talk about the dynamic and how that ultimately helps the farmer. Well, you know, we grow the crops, and a lot of times I'm a farmer as well, and you think we do our jobs, we, we go through the process every, every season, um, we harvest, we sell it, we transport it, and then we kind of forget about it. But that's not the end of the story. So we also have to market our crops, and we're working on developing those markets, and that's what the Iowa Soybean Association does with all of our different value-added industry partners. We work to grow markets for U.S. soy and soy products and create customer preference for our products. Christy, what are some of the priorities at this point from a research standpoint? Our three main priorities are productivity, profitability, and sustainability, and we really are working to have across Iowa testing to improve those practices and programs at a local feel. Obviously, we have borders of the state of Iowa, and we like to think, well, this is all very similar, but northern Iowa and southern Iowa, very different in terms of soil, in terms of climate even. And so it's very much not a one-size-fits-all situation. Absolutely. We have diseases that move east to west, north to south, and taking that approach to understanding from a local perspective what goes on in the field and leveraging the the learnings from western Iowa to eastern Iowa. Maybe there's a white mold pressure that we can study and understand a little bit better and apply that knowledge, but still get that local flair because there's nuances to the environment. Talk about, if you would, how this is funded, the research, because again, this is extensive, but it's because of the buy-in by farmers over time. 
Absolutely. Our research is funded by the checkoff. So it's Iowa farmers that fund all of this research. The The farmer board guides our research priorities. They look at research projects that and advise us on projects and programs that we collaborate with at Iowa State, with Iowa Corn, and really guide our research direction. It's a great opportunity to ask the question, what do the farmers need and what are the questions they want us to answer? One of the projects that we're working on right now is actually looking at planting date because we've known that question and we've studied that question for 20 years. We're asking, does the same planting date recommendations from 20 years ago still apply because of the genetics and the environmental changes that have happened over time. So we're looking at that one as a really unique opportunity to to just make sure that the data we're telling farmers is still applicable today. Looking at the varieties that we have available, looking at shifts in maturities that farmers are planting, and understanding the management practices that we have today compared to 20 years ago can give us an updated feel. Grant, when you're developing markets, you're not just talking about places, you're talking about additional products as well. And so when we talk about market development, it's a very wide spectrum that that you're dealing with. It really is. And so we think about it in terms of our domestic market and our international market. And then we take it a step further and we talk about the different products that we can create. And we're really talking about soybean meal and soybean oil and those different markets that we, we look at. And Domestically and really internationally, soybean meal is the best protein source for feed that there is. About 97% of all soybean meal goes into feed rations for poultry, pork production, fish production, which is also a growing market, and any other kind of livestock industry. So those are the markets that are driving it domestically and internationally. And then as we see a growing middle class, we have to continue to work around the world with these various countries and the uniqueness of each of those cultures. Another analyst has pointed out that the average person not involved with agriculture, someone like me, for example, what I know about agriculture, I learned by talking with folks like you. I kind of know what we do with corn, sort of. Beans, that's a whole different thing. And, and there's an educational aspect to that because the opportunities for uses has just exploded over the last couple of decades. Yeah, we call it the miracle crop. It really is amazing what we can do with the little mighty soybean. What we create is all kinds of industrial products. It's in your food products. It's what grows our meat production. But even things like Goodyear tires, bio-based tires that have soy, Skecher shoes, uh, soy-based spray foam insulations and carpet backing and foam that Ford uses in their Mustang seats. So it's really almost an unlimited thing when it comes to food, feed, fiber, industrial uses, international, domestic, It's all of the above, and we can do lots of things with the soybean. Obviously, Christy, research has a track. It's ongoing. You're thinking of new things that need to be studied. So what's on the docket for the next three to five years in terms of current emphasis? I think it's really looking at a layered approach of agronomic practices that are going to deliver highly productive soybeans, but also be environmentally sustainable to leave that legacy for the farmer. So we're looking at what are the management practices, whether it be changing from conventional tillage to no-till, maybe layering on a cover crop. How does that incorporate maybe incorporating relay crops? And how do those relay crops affect soybeans as the primary crop? so that you understand the agronomics, the disease pressures, insect pressures, how do I manage weeds in those systems, and looking at it from a holistic cropping system perspective. What are you hearing as you're going around the state from producers about either needs that they have that need to be addressed that allow you to change the protocol, or success stories, things where they say, boy, this really helped me out? 
I think one of the big conversations that we've had is that uh, pesky little bug, the soybean gallmage. More research needs to be had on that. We're still understanding the life cycle. We're trying to find the management practices that can help farmers still be successful in the field. So that one's definitely a focus area. We do have some research projects that the farmers have funded and invested in Iowa State University. We have researchers we collaborate with. Opportunities, I think the cover crops are a great story environmental resiliency and still having very productive soybeans layering on environmentally sustainable practices have been a really great asset to the Iowa farmer. Grant, where is the growth going to be in the next five years, do you think, in terms of market development? Is it going to be more focused on product or more focused on where you can place them? It's going to be both. But Mm -hmm. uh, really, I think the thing that's the most exciting new change that we're seeing in the industry right now is the drive to decarbonize our energy supply. And because of that, there's a great opportunity for biofuels like biodiesel, renewable diesel, and a product also called sustainable aviation fuel. All those products can be made from soybean oil. And that's going to be really something that we're a drop in technology, reduce carbon emissions now. And uh, it's something that can make a big difference. And as we do that, we're going to see an additional push to process more soybeans because we need more of the oil now for this. And we're seeing it even a local soy crush plant like Shell Rock. That was developed really because of this growth for the biofuel side of it. So, And there's going to be additional plants built. But that also means we will change how we market the soybean meal, the other product. Because still, soybeans are a protein crop first and foremost. And that's what the world needs is protein as the Middle class continues to grow around the world. The first thing they do when they have more disposable income is increase the protein consumption of their diet. So that means livestock production will increase and we have to have more feed available. So it's a great opportunity and that's how these things fit together. Now we'll have more meal. We'll be able to export more of that or use more domestically in our livestock production and those things work together. And that's the whole point of the crushing operation. You have the two derivatives and you can't just have one be surplus or heaven forbid waste. That's right. And in the past, soybean oil really was more of the drag of the market. And so these are opportunities to use something that's the lower value component, has been the lower value component of the market. And then what we're doing now is we're making protein less expensive because we're producing more of it as this incentive continues to grow. Uh, It's really being driven by the corporations and by the desire to reduce our carbon. Grant Kimberly is Senior Director of Market Development. Dr. Christy Wiebeck is Senior Director of Research, both with the Iowa Soybean Association. Learn more at IASoybeans.com. We spoke in Waterloo on Thursday, August 31st. Still to come, spring forward, fall back. And later, a renovation with connection to all of Iowa. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. City School Election Day is Tuesday, November 7th. It might seem a long way away, but now is the time to make a plan. Whether you plan to vote absentee by mail or in person at your county auditor's office before Election Day or at your polling place on November 7th, it's important you take steps now to make your plan at VoterReady.Iowa.gov. Remember, Election Day is Tuesday, November 7th. Information at VoterReady.Iowa.gov. This message brought to you by the Iowa Secretary of State. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. 
the annual Daylight Saving Time period comes to an end the morning of Sunday, November 5th. A new study by the business consulting firm Venture Smarter has identified the job sectors most likely to benefit from that resultant change in sleep routine. The Bureau of Labor Statistics estimates that around 3.6% of workers are on the night shift, and the industry with the highest proportion of night shift workers is the transportation and utilities sector. More than 6% of workers in that group work the night shift. In second is manufacturing with 5.7% working then, followed by the wholesale and retail trade industry with just more than 5% working the night shift. Analysts suggest that a return to standard time will help workers because there's less natural light during their working hours, meaning better sleep quality when they do sleep and increased alertness during that night shift. But those of us who will take advantage of the extra hour through falling back by getting an extra hour of sleep will no doubt feel better as well. Coming up, Iowa's hidden gem no more. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, Iowa. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. Our September-October issue features stories about Iowa's World War II POW camps, Chicago Cubs pitcher Leonard King Cole, Seven Decades of Eastern Iowa TV, Vietnam analyst Gwendolyn Wilson-Fowler, and Iowa's Halloween myths and legends. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Hy-Vee, and select Walmart, Books A Million, Mills Fleet Farm Stores, or iowahistoryjournal.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In this week's business profile, you'll meet Terry and Beth Henderson, who through their company, Achieva Incorporated, are the new operators of Honey Creek Resort on Rathbun Lake in Moravia. They've made some major changes there in the past six months alone, and it's just a start. Honey Creek Resort is a full-service resort that was built back in 2007 and was opened in 2008. It was an initiative by Governor Bill Sack to be an economic development benefit to the area. So it's owned by the state. It's been run by the state. It's had a couple different groups managing it. It's a beautiful resort in a state park, but it's it's struggled throughout the years. It's really a full-service resort in that it's got a beautiful lodge with 106 rooms, full banquet facilities, full conference room facilities, and just a really a gorgeous lobby and just a very welcoming overall resort. It's also got 28 cabins. It's got a championship golf course, full marina, and a beach, all to speak of uh, the same thing. We're real excited too, Jeff, about the fact that we've also got some additions that we have brought forward. And we actually did this kind of at the invitation of Governor uh, Reynolds. 
she asked if we would be interested in acquiring, possibly privatizing the uh, resort because she felt that that would be the best route to go. Of course, Governor Reynolds has quite a tie to uh, Southern Iowa, so we were happy to make that connection. And when she asked us, we then put our heads together and decided that, uh, yeah, we wanted to do this as Really, it's it's for the economic development of Southern Iowa, and it's got a, a huge potential benefit for the entire state of, of Iowa. It's kind of been known in the past as Iowa's hidden gem, and we'd like to make it kind of Iowa's recognized gem. So we've done things about putting excursions for. We've got a horse stable there that offers horse-drawn carriage rides on a regular basis. We've got chuck wagon feeds going on, and then, of course, in addition to that, we've actually even got a train, which is an amusement train that's both for adults and children, and it's uh, been a real hit. So we took this over in April of this year, and if you were to come out to Honey Creek Resort today, we would tell you it's new and improved because you wouldn't recognize it if you've been there for the last, oh, several years. First of all, it's open year-round, whereas in the past, the other group that managed it before us, they closed it for eight months out of the year. We are absolutely open year-round. The state investment allowed the very basic infrastructure, the very costly part of it, to be put in place with the hope that a manager could then take it to the next level. But it sounds like it just wasn't ever maximized. What do you hope to be able to do that will make it successful in a way that the other model wasn't? I think the key is having someone who has local interest in the area and in the state. And Terry and I have that. I grew up in Iowa. We have family ties in Iowa. And we have a dedication to not just Iowa, but Southern Iowa specifically in this case. It's so needed and we're very excited about the potential. It's just, it's never been brought to its potential because of, I think, the lack of local interest by the previous groups and not really understanding the value and the economic importance of the resort. It seems to me that in larger cities, Even Mason City, there's a destination point that was remodeled. Certainly Des Moines and some of the other large areas. There are resorts. This, however, is put in a rural area, which suggests to me you've got a very large trade area throughout southern Iowa into northern Missouri. And that's got to be a very optimistic thing because, again, instead of being just something attached to a large metro area, this, in essence, is an island unto itself as a potential destination. Well, I appreciate you saying that. One of the things, Jeff, the reason that we got so interested in it was because our business, Shiva Inc., is actually an agriculture or uh, a leading training organization throughout North America in agriculture training. So with that, of course, uh, with our ties back to agriculture, there couldn't be a better location for that because, you know, we're right square in the heart of agriculture. And so what we're planning to do is continue that opportunity to, number one, really make people understand that what's the value, what's the tribute to Iowa. You know, when you were talking about making a connection to Iowa and you talked about remodeling the rooms in the guest lodge, you're using a very distinct I'll say hook, but it is something that really shows commitment to the state and its history. Talk about 
the thematic approach to this lodge room remodeling? The idea, and I got to tell you, this was as much as we'd love to claim total attribution for the idea. It actually came from a local business guy saying, hey, have you ever thought about possibly taking some of those rooms and naming after counties in the state of Iowa? So immediately from there, you know, when you hear a good idea, obviously there wasn't any uh, ownership of it at that time, but we took off with it. And so 99 of the rooms in the lodge are now named after each and every county throughout the state. And we had a a local artist who actually works for us. He's a woodworker, he and his wife, and they made the plaques and they are shaped the shape of Iowa and then they highlight the county. And so they're on all the rooms. And then each room will showcase something specific to each county. So we're contacting all of the chambers and that will tie us into the different locations throughout Iowa. And they will have, you know, something special inside the resort. So that will help with promoting the resort and getting people from the different areas as well. Also, it's just a neat idea for the surrounding states to come in and go, wow, these islands really got their act together. They, they, you <laughs> so know, we're not only Iowa nice, but we're Iowa create, creative Iowans too. <laughs> Talented Iowans. The natural beauty of Honey Creek Resort. We've been fortunate, Beth and I, to go to several resorts across the U.S. So in doing that, we obviously build our expectations and understanding of what a beautiful resort should look like. And I'm telling you, the natural beauty right there in southern Iowa and Moravia, Iowa, is second to none. I mean, when we take the horse-drawn carriage right around the there's just a beautiful little ride that goes right around the uh, lake frontage, and it's just gorgeous. Terry and Beth Henderson of Honey Creek Resort by Achieva Incorporated on Rathbun Lake in Moravia. They are online at honeycreekresort.com. We spoke via Zoom on Thursday, October 19th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. That's where you'll find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 18 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.